Anybody ready for the word this morning? What, what do you say? Amen. Yeah. Come on. Anybody, anybody love God's word? Do you love God's word? There are sermon notes that are available. As we complete the service today, we'll receive communion together. So if you have some, hang on to it, and we'll receive that before we're dismissed. I have a few moments to, to share with you today. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. How many like gifts? Anybody like gifts? Have you ever had a gift that you didn't want? Have you ever had that? Well, thank you. It wasn't your size. It, it wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what you asked for. And you're, you put that, that pretty face on. Oh, thank you so much. And you're tempted to lie. It's just what I always wanted. But you say that with sarcasm, right? It's like, just what I always wanted. I hope you left a gift receipt. Uh, sometimes you receive gifts that you don't want. Sometimes you get something and you don't realize that you need it. It's like you receive a gift, you take a look at it, and suddenly it's like, what? You know, I never even knew I needed it. How did you know that? Sometimes, you know, something uh, that you didn't even realize it was available. You might have bought it for yourself. Somebody saw something. And now they're, all, they're so good at advertising gifts. Have you noticed that? They're so good at it. I have heard this, and I'll just tell you what I heard. I've heard that if you're going to have Christmas this year, you need to buy early. Has anybody else heard that before? I have heard that there's going to be like, did you know that there have been shortages lately? Did you know that? Or it's difficult getting things shipped from other countries. So go ahead and get your stuff. I've watched though, like I'll be on a social media and suddenly there will be something that is suggested that I want to buy there. I don't know how they knew it. I was talking to my wife about it one day and suddenly it shows up on my social media feed or something. I'm thinking, how did you know that I was interested in that? I haven't got that all figured out, but I've told Alexa to stop paying attention. I have. I told her to just, just put some headphones on and stop paying attention to me. However, there are some gifts that you need that the Lord would like to give them if you would just unwrap them. And we have talked about them as spiritual gifts. There are gifts that are available to us, spiritual gifts. And we've looked at this in 1 Corinthians 12, just in this area about the gifts of the Spirit. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So there is a manifestation, manifestation, which is a strange word, uh, but actually the Spirit of God does things in our lives, manifests himself in certain ways in our life for the good of others. How many have ever blessed somebody that you did not know? Has anybody ever done that? Just helped somebody or blessed somebody that you did not know? By the way, Devin, it's good to see you back home, dear. So blessings on you. While, uh, and, and we're thankful, so thankful for what the Lord's doing in Ethiopia. And while I mention that, we ought to keep in prayer also. I didn't mention Cat. Uh, uh, she has been kind of ill since she got back from Jamaica. Doesn't know exactly what it is. But keep her in prayer. How many keep her in prayer as well? Just got incredibly overheated and some other things there while she was there in Jamaica. Uh, also keep Katia in prayer as well. She's been having some issues physically. I, I don't think those names were up on our list, but keep them in prayer. But we're just really thankful for... Uh, the work that is being done in, in other countries uh, and, and mission work. Devin, I just mentioned that. But in saying that, I want you to know that sometimes you bless people you do not know, but also you bless people that you do know. Did you, you realize that? We are the body of Christ. We all have the same spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants to use me to bless you. He also, get this, he wants to use you to bless me. He wants to do things, but sometimes 
that what I need is not necessarily what I think I need. Like I need a, a word at the right time. I need somebody to tell me what I need to hear at the right time. I need somebody to speak blessing or wisdom or knowledge or how many have ever needed healing? And somebody said, well, I'm praying for you. You know, I hope all of those people on social media who say they're praying actually pray. Here's something that I do. If I say I'm praying for you, if I even type that in, I stop immediately and pray for you at that particular moment. I'm praying for you. In fact, I'm praying for you right now. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit moves in us so that our prayers are actually answered, so that you actually get the wisdom, the counsel, the direction that you need, or even a prophetic word. That means that Holy Spirit will manifest himself in my life or in your life in order to speak a word that is prophetic, that speaks of something that might happen in the future, a word that I need to know or some information that I might need. You can see all kinds of things in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we've read verse 7 through 11 about all kinds of different gifts, faith, and and healing, and working of miracles, discerning of spirit, and prophecy, and tongues, and interpretation. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one as he will. Now, here's what we learn from this. Get this. Holy Spirit is the norm for believers. We talk about Jesus. I've got news for you. Jesus is here by the Holy Spirit. So when you say, hey, did you, did you feel Jesus in the place? That's true. But what you really felt was the spirit of, of Jesus. Because Jesus literally, physically ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's why we pray and use the term, the words, in the name of Jesus. Because we take all of our needs through Jesus. We're forgiven through the work of Jesus. But Jesus prayed this prayer when he ascended to heaven. His prayer was this. I'll pray the Father, and he will send you the Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. And he will not just be with you, but he will dwell on the inside of you. So that's why we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Say it. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, well, you know, I haven't ever heard this before. All churches that are true believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. All right? You might say, well, that's weird, Pastor, talking about the Holy Spirit prophecy. It's the Bible. It is the reason Jesus died and rose again. You are born again by the Spirit. So that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed or confused that Jesus said you must be born again. You're born by the Spirit. So now we pray spiritually. We think spiritually. And we should welcome Holy Spirit. It's one of the problems we have. We have carnalized our salvation. We have transformed our salvation to be of the flesh. Well, now I do religious things. This is not about a new religion. It is about a relationship that we have with Father through Holy Spirit. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Is that an amen from somebody in the house? So, in order to be used in gifts, in order to be used by the Spirit, you need to believe in the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. So, this is all foolish. This is crazy. This will never impact me. Yes, it will. If you confess Jesus as your Lord, if you are born again, if you receive Christ, Holy Spirit, 
wants to come into your life and communicate with you. He actually wants to baptize you in himself. So to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then to use you heavily. So we've talked heavily about this in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. I'll tell you this. Basically, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things of God. You can't read the Bible without Holy Spirit. Because all it is is graphe. All it is is letters. It becomes rhema. It becomes logos. It becomes rhema. It becomes the living, breathing word of God when you read it by the Holy Spirit. So when you're reading the Bible, say, this doesn't mean anything to me. It's because you're reading it only by the flesh. Read it by the Spirit. So I won't keep preaching here today. Today, I want to talk from this topic, bringing the power home. Now, I want you to understand when I tell you that, when I say bringing the power home, Sometimes we believe the work of Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, is only for the church house when it's for your house. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, which is a common way of seeing people baptized in the Holy Spirit, laying your hands upon them and praying and invoking, Holy Spirit, come and move here. And then he goes on to say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Read that with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I, I love all the things that have been going on in, uh, in the church this week. Sometimes I wonder if we have so filled our children with stories of mermaids and avengers that they don't know the difference between truth and fantasy. I'm not saying that you should turn off Disney. I'm just saying that if our kids believe more in things that are not real than they do in that which is real, then we have overwhelmed them with things that are not true. Is that okay? People, the greatest stories in all of the world are in the Bible. Yes. You know, so, so I, I've spent a few weeks teaching you about the Holy Spirit and, I, and I've asked you this question, what will you do with the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit? What will you do with the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How many believe that our children need the Holy Spirit? Anybody believe that? Is the Holy Spirit and the truth regarding the power of the Holy Spirit, is it, is it real? Or is it just one of those topics that ends up in your religious junk box? Anybody got a junk drawer? Anybody got a junk drawer? Just in case you might need it one day. Oh, we need Holy Spirit right now. No, no, no. You need Holy Spirit every day. After a, spending a few days with your kids, I am a little bit stirred up. And, and I want to tell you something, and please hear me. Our children will not be successful without Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you again. Our children will not be successful Without the Holy Spirit. You want your children, I'm telling you this, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So my purpose is to help you practically bring the Spirit home. And I, I want you to look at 2 Timothy 1. Let me look at th verse 3 through 8. Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now, when he says forefathers, he's speaking of the patriarchs. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's talking about how that Moses uh, 
went to the burning bush and walked out in power. How that Joshua fought the ba- fought battles. He's talking about the judges. He's talking about his forefathers. Those of his faith served God faithfully. And he says, he's writing to, uh, he's writing to Timothy and he says, Uh, He says, I'm greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now remember, he's also writing from prison. He's also writing from jail where he is going to be killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus. He says, I am filled with tears when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. And I love this part. Which dwelt first in your grandma, Lois, grandma Lois, and in your mama Eunice. Lois and Eunice. That sounds like some of my Kentucky family. That's what it sounds like right there. But I am persuaded that that faith, that genuine faith is also in you. Therefore, I remind you, read this with me. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stop right there. I want, to, I want you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he goes on and says this, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, uh, can I tell you this? I love watching our children this week. Come on, take a look again at those kids. I mean, they're just so amazing. These children are the future. These kids, look at these kids again. Uh, yeah. Uh, from Knights of the North Castle. I don't, I, if you came, some of you worked every night this week, but if you watch them, I, I, aren't they cute? Aren't they adorable? Don't you love this sort of thing, watching them? And they're just, they're just all over the place. They had such a great time. But I, I want you to look at these children, but I want you to look at them differently. These children are future. They're the future prophets, future evangelists, future teachers, future pastors, future worship leaders, future, future missionaries. These are the ones that must be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are those who will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are those who will proclaim the truth on the streets and in our churches. These are the disciplers. These are the crusaders. These are the sons and the daughters who will prophesy and see visions. So I'm telling you that in these days, these children desperately need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives. These are not just cutesy VBS days. These are children that need an honest revelation of the power and the reality of the gifts of the Spirit that can come into their lives so that they can see their children and their children's children Filled with God. Anybody receive this? I'm saying sometimes we watch this and say, I'm so glad they all went to Disney. They didn't go to Disney. They went into the presence of God. Help me preach this, Lord Jesus. The way that it's in my soul. These are pastors and evangelists. These are they. And you might say, hey, pastor, you're really pushing this. Listen, I know this from in my life. This is what I know for truth. I know in my life that these children desperately need Holy Spirit. Because some of you who are sitting here tried to do it without Holy Spirit. You had tried to do it without Holy Spirit and you fallen on your faces miserably. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
I mean, it, it, it shows up in our homes. Let me show you the scripture in Acts chapter 2, 17, these simple truths. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And if you go down to verse 38, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises, the promise is to you, and what? And we read into this, the promise is for you and your children when they finally grow up, when they finally get desperate enough. No, the promise is for you and your children right now. Notice he said, he said that your young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. That's all going on at the same time. We need our children, we need our youth to be filled with the Holy Spirit and used in the power of God. I'm waking somebody up right now. What is it going to take to bring the power home? What is it going to take to bring the power of the Holy Spirit into our homes? So first of all, bringing the Holy Spirit home means we must teach our children to recognize the Holy Spirit. There's this great story in the Bible. Perhaps you've read about Samuel. How many know of Samuel? I love Samuel. Samuel is the one who eventually will anoint King David. He is the great prophet. Before there are kings, there is Samuel, and God speaks mightily through Samuel. If you've read the Old Testament, you know Samuel exists because you've read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel in the Bible. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 8, you see this particular moment where Samuel is speaking with Eli. Now, let me give you just some backstory on this because in this moment, you hear this, Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you, then you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord. Say it. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, the backstory is Samuel's mom, Hannah, who was barren and had no children and desperately wanted children. So she went to the house of the Lord and she began to weep and pray. Eli was there and he saw her and he said, what do you mean coming to the house of God drunk? He thought she was drunk because she was so desperate. How many have ever been so messed up that you look like you were drunk? That's how she was praying. She was so overwhelmed. Her emotions had gotten the better of her. She was standing in the presence of the Lord, and she cried out. And Eli comes over, and he, and he prophesies to her and says, guess what? You're going to have a child. And, and, and Hannah had prayed this way. If you give me a child, I'll give you my child for all the days of his life. That child will belong to you. And the, 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 the Bible says that, that specifically that's exactly what happened. That uh, Samuel, when he was born to Hannah, and after that her womb was open, and she had other children after this as well. But after she, he was born, Hannah brought him uh, to, the church, to the temple, and Samuel, even as a little boy, ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod, Moreover, the, the, look at this in verse 19. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe. The Bible says that literally Hannah took him to work at the temple, but she would make him cute little preacher robes. And she would bring the robe to him because she wanted him to look the part. Isn't that kind of cool? I really like this because I'm, I'm Samuel. I don't know if you know that, but, 
but my mama used to make me clothes when I was a boy. Anybody remember dressing up and going to church? Anybody remember those days dressing up and going to church? Two of us, three of us, all right? I know some of us would probably make fun of those folks. Remember people just dressing all up and wearing suits? And I remember that, getting all dressed up and going to church. Well, I mean, you had certain clothes that were your church clothes. Church clothes. I mean, I, I, wearing a tie for me is kind of weird because putting a noose around my neck and trying to preach at the same time is weird, okay? It's just hard, you know? Like, tighten, tighten that thing around your throat as hard as you can, and I'll preach for, for several minutes. It's, it's not healthy, but, but it, it's okay. Praise God. I kind of like church clothes. Can I get an amen from somebody? I, I kind of like it. And, and help me preach this right now. I, I understand this. I, I, was, I was given to the Lord. Mama made me church clothes. I'm just saying this. I remember church as a kid, and it was real. And, and you might say, Pastor, you're just, you're just, you're just talking. Can I, can I just mess around for a minute? And you guys, if you want to throw things at me, go ahead. What are we dressing up our children for now? What do we dress our children up for these days? What do we, I mean, really, you dress because you see certain people dress a certain way, and often you want to be like them. All the fashionistas out there, you say, well, if I look like them, I would be more beautiful. I look like them, I would be more acceptable. I don't know if anybody hears what I'm telling you, but I'm just saying... Okay, I'll just, I'll just say this as a daddy. I'm going to say this. All right. I remember telling my kids, no, you're not going to wear that today. It didn't happen too often. didn't happen too often, but my kids are all grown now. But on occasion, you just said that. You know why you said that? Because it looked like something representing something that I didn't want them to represent. You might say, Pastor, you can't tell that to children these days. Now, now listen, basically you can't tell anything to children these days. You can't even call them your son or your daughter. So evidently we can't lead our children. So let's all be quiet so our kids can parent us correctly. But if our kids perhaps get close enough to the presence of the Lord, maybe they will hear from heaven. So Samuel ends up sleeping close to the holy place. While Samuel was laying down one night, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He thought it was Eli. Now this is important because he was accustomed to hearing Eli's voice. And he heard what was spiritual in a simple paternal fashion. Some people think it was Samuel. But it was a father voice. Samuel. And he woke up and said, Eli, is that you? Did you need me? And Eli said, no. Did it over and over. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And he said, go lie down. And if he calls you again, I want you to say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. 
Listen, if we're going to see future generations serving and teaching and moving in the gifts, we need to correct some false ideas for ourselves and our children so that they will learn to speak to the Lord and listen to God's voice. No, my my little boy can't listen to Jesus. He's only eight years old. What do you mean he's only eight years old? I heard from God early in my life, but I was surrounded by people who thought it was normal to hear from God. You heard from God? That's weird. God don't speak to anybody. We're born again. Can I suggest this? Are your children and grandchildren born again? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You know how many pairs of underwear they have in their drawer. You know what they're going to eat every day this week, how much money. You've even figured out what university they will go to. You check their report card, but you don't know whether or not your children are born again by the Spirit. How could you? How could that be a possibility? Do you check them? I can remember sitting in the house when I was a boy, my mom coming in and just checking me, just checking on me. Rick, I've been watching you lately. Ricky, I've been watching you. And I noticed there's some things. You just seem a little extra sad for some reason. What's going on in your heart? I wish I would have opened up, but I knew that my mom was praying for me and checking on me at early phases of my life. And not only would she ask, but she would pray for me. I have these great memories of prayer with my mama and prayer with my daddy. I have these huge memories of it. They knew it was my mom that led me down to an altar and where I gave my life to Jesus. I was standing next to my dad the first time I lifted up my hands and worshiped God. I watched him and I watched the others as they worshiped and I was just caught up in worship and knowing his spirit. And that's why this boy standing here today we must teach our children to recognize Holy Spirit bringing the Holy Spirit home also means our family prayers must be in the Spirit our family prayers must be in the Spirit Ephesians 6 18 remember this read this with me pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion don't try to mess with this What does that mean? It means what it said. All of our prayers are in the spirit and of the spirit. On every occasion, I'm just praying for my food. I'm not saying you have to take 30 minutes to pray and the pork chops get cold. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is whatever you do, do it of the spirit. Because the spirit will do things that you would not do. You know, we taught the kids all the armor of the Lord this week. They are so cute. Did you get some of their stuff when they came home? They had their little belts of truth and righteousness. And they, they even had a sword of the spirit. We made sure they all had swords of the spirit. Made sure every kid had a sword of the spirit. And if they're home beating you up with it, I don't know what to tell you, you know. But literally, so you understand, the armor is of the spirit. Right? So while we're teaching them this, they have to know that this is of the Spirit. Literally, there are a couple of ideas that are simply enemies of your spiritual power and your ability to hear from the Lord. And and, and among among them is the false perception that God always requires that we beg Him when we pray. We believe that we haven't begged enough in order to get God to answer our prayers. 
Now, just so you understand, there is a story in the Bible that you probably got this from. It's the story of the unjust judge in Luke chapter 16, or Luke chapter 18 and 6. Learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So let me just pause. So this, the back story is there's this woman who uh, goes to this judge and she has an issue and she just wants every morning. She's there every day. She's the first one in line. And finally, just because he bothers her so much, or, 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 or she, he, the judge is bothered so much by her, he, he just gives her judgment. Yeah, take what you want. What you say is good. So then the scripture says, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. So what I'm telling you that, that scripture is not suggesting that you need to beg like you're begging somebody at the DMV. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is God is not an unjust judge. All you people, are, you're begging him every night. We need to pray in the Spirit with this understanding that through Christ and through the Holy Spirit that God will hear us and answer us. In 1 Kings 18 is the illustration of Elijah. Remember that? He mocked the prophets of Baal who were jumping up and down and screaming, Oh God, you've got to do it! And screaming. And he's saying, What's the matter? Your God is asleep? What's the matter? Maybe they're on vacation. He literally said that to these guys. And then Elijah just got down and prayed. And he sought the Lord, and God answered him by fire. In James chapter 1, I like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. So it is no more difficult to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit than it is to receive salvation. Did I tell you that? You say, I want a Holy Spirit. It is no more difficult. Ask him, and he will not withhold any good gift from you. Say, children... I want you to know, kids, I want you to know, I want you to know that we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and the Holy Spirit is going to help us pray. I don't know if I want to say that to my kids. Why not? You want your kids to pray poorly the rest of their life? Am I getting any amens? This is coming home, isn't it? How many of Pastor, this is coming home right now. So for some of you, you haven't even heard this yourself. You should always welcome the Holy Spirit. Ask him. The answer to our hollow nursery rhyme prayer life is a spiritual prayer. Amen? Pray without ceasing. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I have one more statement. Bringing the Spirit home means your home is not of this world. Your home is not of this world. Now, this is heavy. Everybody ready for this last part of this preaching? This is heavy. John 17, verse 13, Jesus says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them, Jesus is praying. This is John 17 is a prayer of Christ. So Jesus is praying, I'm coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have full measure. In other words, I'm praying out loud so my disciples will get it. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the the world any more than I am the world. Somebody shout, we are not of this world. Say it, we are not of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Anybody ever prayed that way? I want my kids, I want my church, I want my neighbors, I want my family 
I want you not to take them out. I just want you to protect them from Satan, from the devices of the enemy, the lies. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. I love this part. Sanctify them, sanctify them by the truth. You can't sanctify your children with a lie. Sanctify them with the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I have sent, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. So let me, let me just close with the truth that has kept me grounded as a child and as a teenager. And that is this. We are not of this world. I said we are not of this world. I'm going to say it again. I am not of this world. I am not of this world. This world is not my home. I am not of this world. Somebody shout it. Shout it loud enough to disturb the person sitting next to you. I am not of this world. Petra sang it when I was, when I was a teenager. Anybody remember Petra? It was at one of those first rock Christian groups. We are strangers. We are aliens. We are not of this world. Oh, you look it up on YouTube. It's so good. All right. So I used to get in trouble. As a boy, I'd get in trouble. And daddy would take us to the office, and we knew there could be some discipline. But my father never disciplined me without prayer. What? Oh, no, he's praying. I'm going to get it. You know, it is. <laughs> he would tell us to forgive each other. Make sure. You know, my brothers and I were fighting. No, you forgive each other. I remember my oldest brother, Dan. I love to fight with my oldest brother, Dan. To this day, if we could, I would still duke it out with him, but... That wasn't nice. Forgive me for that, Lord Jesus. But uh, uh, I remember one time being in there. Dan, such a smart aleck preacher kid, you know, he was there. And Dad looked at us and he said, now, Dan, do you want me to spank your little brother? And Dan said, tears come into his face. Show off. (laughs) Daddy, don't spank Ricky. Then he asked me. I didn't have the spirit of God like Dan did. (laughs) Beat him, Dad. Shouldn't have asked, you know. But I remember those prayer times with my father. I remember those moments when it wasn't just about getting me to act right. It was about me being transformed into a right person. And you can't do that. Just, you can't just beat your children into submission. You can't. You can't. But if you would have prayed, it, come on, even now. Anybody with me? Even right now. I'm getting some young people amen right now. Don't beat me. Hear what preacher pastor said today. We're not of this world. How do you do things in your home? Here's some words. Conviction of sin. What does the word of God say about it? Conviction brings about the message of Jesus. You see, we're not of this world. We're not like this world. We're not trying to conform to this world or the pattern of this world. That is why we hear such ideologies as children being permitted to be born as a boy but change their minds and change their identities and change their pronouns. We understand that in this world, but we are not of this world. Does that make sense to anybody? reasoning without the Holy Spirit. We're not of this world. And if we, if we do not have the Holy Spirit in our home, then we will have the spirit of Antichrist in our homes, which is a spirit of confusion. I'm not finished preaching. Stay with me. Listen, Jesus said we would be hated. We would be persecuted. I'm still going with the Holy Spirit. I'm still hanging. 
We, we, are, we are seeing a moral free fall in the world that we're living in today. But it should not be a surprise. Jesus taught us that a major sign of the end times would be a couple of major parallels. Jesus said it would be as it was in the days of Noah. And it would be as it was in the days of Lot and Sodom. Anybody ever read the Bible? So, so what sets these historical moments apart is that it was a time of extremes. Noah's day and Lot's days were very immoral cultures. In Luke 17, this is how Jesus began telling us that we are near the day of his return. When he said, the Pharisees asked, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. A lot of things normal. People enjoyed banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world would be as it was in the days of Lot. People sent, went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning left, Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down and heaven from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, the point of them is that people will continue going through their routines, going to work and doing life. Does that make sense? However, the uniqueness of Noah's day and Lot's day is there was massive immorality in their worlds. The reason the flood came was there was no one except for Noah that could be saved. They had completely turned their hearts on God and even given themselves immorally to demons. And Lot's day, same story. So bad, it was so bad that when the angels of God came to Sodom and came to Lot's house, I got an amen somewhere. That they wanted to have an immoral relationship. The people of, of Sodom wanted to have an immoral relationship with the angels. And it was also common to offer children to others for that sort of pleasure. And you might say, no, that's a possibility. No, listen, the discussion is already in our culture. We are just a few moments from legalization of pedophilia. You say, it's not going to happen. Look, people who are a lot smarter than me are already discussing it, that it is a normal, and it is another letter in the extremes. So, Verse 30. Can I finish this message? Verse 30. It will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? She turned back and she was consumed. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Now, this is what we learned about when I was a boy and it rested with me. We called it the rapture of the church. 
Anybody believe in the rapture of the church? It's the great catching away of the body. I mean, as a boy, if, if, I mean, if you couldn't find your brother, it was like, dear Lord, did I miss the rapture? There was actually a day many, many years ago in the 70s, there was a pastor here named Ernest Carey, who was a dear friend of mine who's already gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, they had had a baptism and they left a, a, a spontaneous baptism down at Rudy Inlet and all of the people just left their coats and things here and jumped in their cars and headed to Rudy Inlet and somebody showed up late for church. I want to do that to someone. I really do. <laughs> Ultimately, we thought that if we did one thing wrong, we were lost. And we, were, we did not have the understanding of the grace of God that we needed to do in those days. But those who have accepted their birth, their new birth in Jesus, here's the good news. The lawless one will be revealed one day, also known as the Antichrist. But he won't be revealed, according to 2 Thessalonians, until there is a catching away of the church of the Lord Jesus. So the, the, here's, here's, the, here's the teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For the mystery of the lawless one is already at work. That means there will be one who will, who will be the Antichrist, one who takes over the world. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who is he that restrains? The Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? He is inside of me. He is inside of my home. Are you still with me on this? And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's the final return of the Lord. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I'm, I'm done preaching, so you need to stand right now so I can finish this. No, no, sit back down. Everybody sit back, sit, sit, back, sit back down. Ready? Ready? Stand up as fast as you can. Okay, now sit back down. Sit back down. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up! That was good. We used to call those rapture practices. What was that? Rapture practices. Now, you got to get this. The world is getting worse by the moment. Death and mayhem is happening. I'm telling you as your pastor, not to scare you, but to tell you the truth. We are around the corner from a global economy. And it will make sense. And you might say, I would never participate in that. Are you sure you would participate in that? Are you sure? We're not far away from cashless society. Somebody told us they can't find all the coins. Evidently, somebody stole all the coins. I don't know where they went to. And then the next move will be more and more, this is my belief, more and more, more, and more microchip work. Till finally you will gladly, we will finally, and it will make sense to us. We will simply not have to worry about losing our money or people breaking in our homes and stealing stuff because we will all have these cool little microchips that are a part of our bodies that will be implanted under your skin. You said not me, you know, but, you know, listen, it's the right thing to do in order to take care of the economy. Did you hear what I just told you? 
And so we will tell everybody it's fine. And I'm not saying that that itself is, would be the mark of the beast. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we're just taking little steps here and little steps here until finally we believe Jesus will not save us. So we'll just have to find somebody in this world that will save us. And lawlessness will continue. For those of you who thought that you were living in Disneyland and that everything sooner or later the mermaids would just jump out of the oceans and save everybody. For those of you who believe that the Avengers are going to do it, I got news for you. There is only one Superman and it is Jesus. And for some of you, you don't receive this message at all. You just want our kids to be happy and cute. They already got happy and cute down. They need Holy Spirit. So don't be so severe. Don't get so severe. Everybody chill for a minute. Chill. I guess I'm telling you. This is not going to be so hard. I just want you to take a few steps. One, I want to remind you of 2 Timothy 1 and 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gifts. This is, a, again, this is about a relationship with the Lord. Somebody say, stir up the gifts. Okay, I mean, you know how to stir your oatmeal. You know how to stir your soup. You know how to beat an egg. Do you know how to stir up the gifts? Come on, mix them up. Work on the gifts. Do something with it. Stir up your gifts. I'll give you a few ideas. One, anoint, go home and anoint your house. How many think that wouldn't be a bad idea? Anoint your house. Husband, wife, single mama, single lady, single whatever. Go anoint your house. Just anoint your house. You see, does that matter? I, you know, I, here's what I think it does. I think, for one, I'm saying this house does not belong to the enemy. The people that reside in this home. And you can make that declaration. I'm, I put a boundary here. This place... This place is part of the kingdom of God. And whatever happens in this house will glorify the Lord Jesus. While you're at it, anoint your TV. Go ahead. Any married people in the house? Anoint your spouse. All right? I mean, you've thought about taking that bottle of oil and cracking them over the head a few times, but... Do you pray for one another? I'm going to tell you again, if you're married and you're not praying for your husband or wife openly and verbally, you are asking for trouble and opening the door for the enemy into your home. You said, we need counseling. You need prayer first. Go ahead and start praying. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do. Thirdly, receive, excuse me, thirdly, bless your children. Bless them. Speak blessing to them. Tell them how amazing they are. But don't lie to them when they're not being amazing. Allow Holy Spirit to help you bring conviction to the next generation. Dress them up and bring them to church like they are the preacher and the worship leader. Put them into the ministry. Get them involved in the choir. Get them in. Come on. Get them involved in small group. I'm glad they can bowl, but they also need to pray. And I didn't say this. This should have been first. Receive Holy Spirit. Come on, do that right now. Receive Holy Spirit. And engage Holy Spirit. Some people I say, have you received the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I received the Holy Spirit. I was up there acting all crazy in the altar. 
And I know, but you're still acting crazy at home. And you, you need Holy Spirit. Everybody okay? How many, I want you just to confess, how many, how many need to pick up some of these ideas and take them home? Anybody want to take some of these things home? Wave at me. Wave at me. Wave at me. For real. Wave at me. I'd like to see if somebody would take some of this home. All right. We're going to have revival in some houses. That's what we're going to do. Praise the Lord. Here's something else you might want to add to your mealtime. Communion. Get some grape juice. Not Jack Daniels. Get some grape juice, okay? Best said have communion. Get the wine out. Stop. The new wine is better than that old stuff that's fermented, all right? All right, get this. Get some juice and go buy some wafers or crackers. Because usually the supper of the Lord was taken in a community. Don't, don't eat the bread with anger and unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. In fact, right now, right now, forgive whoever you need to forgive. Take the bread in your hand. What is the, what is the bread? This bread is the body of Christ. We bless it. Lord Jesus, we are not alone. We receive your body. Your body. By your wounds, we are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Take and receive the bread. Take the cup. The cup is what? The blood of who? Jesus. The Lamb of God. My blood, Jesus said, poured out for you. Stop living in guilt and shame. The blood of Jesus has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. That means I turn away from my sin and I receive your blood and I am cleansed and I receive it in Christ's name. Amen. Receive the cup. Praise you, Jesus. Let's give thanks to the Lord Jesus. So we're going to pray. I have Spirit Life team members that are coming right now to pray with you. And as they come to pray, throw that list back up there if you would, Keith. Just that list of things that we're asking the Lord to do. Here's what you're going to do. Some of you have struggles in your home or in your marriage or in your family. Not that prayer list. I'm talking about my list of anoint your family, anoint your house. And There we go. Anoint your house, anoint your spouse, bless your children, receive Holy Spirit and engage Holy Spirit. Uh, more Spirit Life team members, if you're here, come on down so that we can pray with others as well. You guys ready? Whatever you need from the Lord today, we engage Holy Spirit on behalf of you. Listen, if you have not given your life to Jesus, would you like to do that right now? Would you like to? Go ahead and confess Jesus yourself, that He is the Lord. Confess Him. Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins. Come into your life. Some of you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Come on. We'll pray with you. But you may need to confess your sin. If any of you are in sin, you should confess your sins to one another so it has no more power over you. If there is struggle in your family today, we want to pray for you. If you're struggling as a young person, we want to pray. And we also want to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill your life. Father, as we finish this service, we thank you for your presence and what you have taught us. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit and we celebrate your engagement with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Save the lost. Heal homes. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. If you'd like to, if you'd like to know more, I'll be back in the back. I'll be glad to talk with you. There are people here for prayer. Be dismissed when you choose.